1: floorboards to shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
2: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
1: Standing by for your calls to one 888 Pit because we are here to help you get those projects done around your house that we know are on your to-do list. Yes, we know the summer is, is almost over and that you're going to be paying those heating bills soon enough you're thinking, but I haven't even paid off the air conditioning <laughs> bill. We know that. But the heating bills are coming, so let's think ahead to fall. So plan. It's got to be a fall fix-up project on your to-do list, or maybe it's that one summer project that you just didn't get done, just didn't have the time, the knowledge, you didn't have the energy to tackle it. Well, let us help you right now. Pick up the phone and call us with that project. We'll help you take that first step to one Money Pit. 888-666-3974. Coming up this hour, we're going to talk about uh, one of my favorite tools in the kitchen. That's the garbage disposer. It's kind of like if you never had one, you don't miss it. But once you own a house with one of these puppies, never (laughs) never want to go go back. back. But the problem is that they can be a bit stinky. So we're going to have some tips on how you can make that disposer odor-free in a jiffy.
2: And also ahead, just because we're in the middle of the dog days of summer, it doesn't just mean that you are sweating. You might actually notice that your toilet tank appears to be sweating as well. Well, it is actually. We're going to tell you what causes the toilet tank condensation and how to get rid of it a little later.
1: And that's important because that can rot out your bathroom floor in a jiffy. And it's about that time for kids when summer vacation has lost a little of its appeal and boredom has begun to set in. That's why it's the perfect time to get your kids involved in some. DIY projects. We've got some great ideas for good first projects that you can take on with your kids for a total family experience.
2: And also ahead this hour, we're giving away the Dremel Trio, which is worth about a hundred bucks. And it's a super handy tool that can be used to sand and cut and also function as a router. I mean, I remember my first Dremel tool, you know, 20 something years ago. (laughs) And I tried to find a use for it Practically every day. So I guarantee you're going to love it.
1: It's definitely a go to tool to have in your house. So give us a call right now at 1 888 Money Pit, 888 666 3974. Leslie, who's
2: first? All right, now we've got Rich in New Jersey calling in. What can we do for you today?
3: Hi, Leslie. I was, um, I'm working with a bunch of volunteers where we're trying to fix up uh, New York Military Academy, which is a school where uh, we graduated from. The barracks is the first prefabricated concrete building in the country. It's solid concrete.
1: Oh, how interesting. Prefabricated, and what year was it built?
3: 1921. 1921. Wow. And we're all volunteer labor, but there's a a question going back and forth, and we're trying to get an issue settled. Half the guys are saying that we're crazy if we don't scrape this 100-year-old building down to the original concrete before we repaint it. And the other half says we'll do just as well to patch and fill and then apply the spray, spray paint and just come back in three to five years. And uh, we're, we're just going back and forth, and we can't seem to get any resolution. So I thought I'd call the experts and ask your
1: opinion. Well, I'm sure you've got lots and lots of layers of uh, probably some of that good old-fashioned lead paint on there, which uh, means you've got to be a little bit careful with this process. But the general rule of thumb is you want to get as much of that off as humanly possible. Now, it may not mean going all the way down to the original masonry surface, concrete surface, But you certainly have to get down to where you're looking at something that's very solid. The next thing, and this is going to be a very critical part of this, you want want to make sure that you prime this. Because you have to understand that primer and, uh, and exterior paint have separate qualities. The primer is the glue that makes the project, makes the paint stick. And so if it's not primed properly, it's not going to stick. Now, if you have damage to the wall, then you need to use a patching material made of epoxy, an epoxy patching compound. Uh, there's a company called Abatron, A-B-A-T-R-O-N.
2: They make a great selection of all sorts of patching materials that'll really cause good adhesion.
1: Yeah, and that's but the old key. But old-fashioned spackle is, is not the solution. Not gonna, no, no, it's not going to stay. Absolutely not. And any type of concrete that you put on there, not going to work. It'll, it'll fall right off the very first New York winter you get at the New York Military Academy, okay? Thank you. Critical, you use an epoxy patching compound. It's got the qualities to make it stick. Critical, you paint it, prime it first, then top coat paint it. And I think if you do that properly, the nice thing about masonry surfaces is unlike organic materials like wood siding, that paint can actually last 10 or 15 years because think about it you don't have the expansion and the contraction that you would have associated with a wood surface. So it does tend to last a long time. Definitely worth, though, taking the time on the prep now, even though it's very painful. Uh, You're going to need a lot of hands for this. Uh, definitely worth getting it straightened out right now, because this way you'll be able to do it once, do it right, and then by the time uh, it's ready to paint again, your kids can do it.
4: (laughs) That's good to hear.
3: That's good to hear. Is the preferred technique a sandblaster?
1: Uh, You have to be very careful with the sandblaster because you can damage the uh, original concrete surface, but it's not a bad thing to try because you may find that it comes off easily that way.
3: Well, thank you. That's a a good piece of advice. And now that we've heard from the experts, I can... uh I can win the bet at the bar. Well, we're we're happy to (laughs)
1: settle the bet. Rich, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. And uh, what a great project for a bunch of guys to do. You know, if you are working on projects like that around the country, we always ask you to call with your home improvement questions about your
2: house. And send pictures.
1: Certainly, if you're doing a project for charity like that, if you're working on a a community event, uh, perhaps building a playground or fixing up a building uh, for uh, a deserving group, we'd love to hear about that. So pick up the phone and call us at one 888 money pit.
2: Judy from South Carolina on the line is working on a flooring project. How can we help you with that job? Okay. Well, what I wanted to know was
3: I have a house on slab. It's about 25 years old. Okay. And I wanted to put down either some laminate or some type of engineered hardwood.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay.
3: And I needed to know if I should put down a moisture barrier of some sort even though there has not been any type of moisture problem with the carpet.
1: No, not necessarily. Uh, Both of those products will have recommendations from their manufacturers, and they're all a little bit different. Now, some of the laminates have um, sort of a vapor barrier attached to the bottom Mm, of them. Almost
2: like an underlayment.
1: Right, and both of them are floating floors, so they're not physically attached to the concrete. And you are correct that engineered hardwood is okay over, over concrete. Regular hardwood, of course, is not. It will buckle, but engineered is dimensionally stable. So both of those are excellent choices to go on top of a concrete floor. And as long as you follow the installation instructions, you won't have any problems. A very good source uh, for both laminate and engineered hardwood floors is LumberLiquidators.com take a look at their website they've got uh, they've got some floors there judy that have a 100 year warranty they're amazing
2: okay that sounds wonderful
1: all right judy good luck with that project thanks so much for calling us at 888 money pit
2: you are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Well, we've got a couple of short weeks left until the big Labor Day weekend. So if there's some things you want to tackle before the summer, kind of unofficially or officially, I should say, ends, give us a call. We're here for you 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 888-MONEYPIT.
1: Up next, are stinky odors in your kitchen coming from your sink? Well, it might be that your garbage disposer needs a good cleaning. We'll tell you how to do that after this. On
0: the Money Pit Radio Show. The Money Pit is brought to you by ODL's add-on blinds. Enclosed behind tempered glass, they eliminate the need for dusting and exposed cords, both problems with traditional blinds. Plus, they easily install over your existing entry glass. Visit www.odl.com to learn more.
1: Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler
2: and I'm Leslie Segretti.
1: And you should pick up the phone and call us right now with your home improvement question at 1-888-MONEYPIT because not only will you get the answer to that question, you can also win the new Dremel Trio. This is a very versatile tool that allows DIYers to cut, sand and route with just one tool. You can also adjust between horizontal and vertical surfaces without switching tools. It's available at retailers nationwide like Lowe's, The Home Depot and amazon.com. But to you, it's worth a 100 bucks, it's going to go out to one caller who's got the guts, the determination, the fortitude to pick up the phone and call us with their project at 1888 money pit.
2: All right, now it's time to jump into this week's fresh idea presented by Citrus Magic. And if you have a garbage disposal, you already know that it's a great addition to all of your cleanup responsibilities around the kitchen. And disposers today, they can really handle most organic food scraps, but keeping that disposer clean and smelling fresh, well, that's another issue. Now, first of all, you can use baking soda and vinegar or some lemon juice. You can pour it right down there to get rid of some of those food smells and maybe most of them. But if- If you've got a stronger odor that just doesn't seem to go away, you might have something called biofilm growing on the inside of your disposer or on the pipes below it. And this organic film, it can even help fruit or drain flies breed and then you end up with a whole second problem that's just a nightmare to deal with. So the best way to get rid of that is with oxygen bleach. It's a cleaning product that's particularly effective for getting rid of biofilm and you can find that at just about any hardware store or home center in your neighborhood. Now to keep the rest of your kitchen smelling fresh and clean, you want to use Citrus Magic All Natural Spray Air Freshener. It's made from the essential oils of citrus fruits and this product is 100% natural, so it's completely safe to use around the kids and the pets. And that is your Citrus Magic fresh idea for this week. If you want some more great ideas and to check out their great products, check out citrusmagic.com for some more information.
1: 888-666-3974. Give us a call right now at 888-MONEYBIT with your home improvement question.
2: Ruth in Arkansas has a question about an attic. What can we do for you today? We uh, built our house a couple of years ago, and we have a sheetrock up ceiling, and we failed to
3: have an opening for an attic, and I feel like we're losing storage space.
1: When you built your uh, roof, do you know that if it was stick built or is it built with trusses? It's trusses. It's trusses, okay. And do you know if they're attic trusses? Yes. Okay, do you know what an attic truss is, Ruth? It has a storage, it has a flat area for storage where you can uh, put boards and create like a floor. It's a special kind of truss.
3: Oh, okay. Well, it it is
1: flat on top. I mean, you know I mean? All right, let me, let me explain this to you. It, you can put an opening in by, you know, cutting the sheetrock uh, under two of the trusses. They're probably 24 inches apart. And so you can cut the drywall out into the size that you need for the opening. It depends on whether you're putting a hatch or a staircase. Um, but you would cut it to fit whatever type of opening you want. But the issue is that with respect to the trusses, you can't cut any of the pieces of the trusses away because they're designed to be to work as one continuous unit. And if you cut any piece of that truss, you're going to make the roof structure weak. So you may not have storage up there, is what I'm telling you, unless you have a specially designed attic truss, which has a flat floor section sort of built into it, that you can put some plywood down and some storage. If your builder did not provide an attic truss with room for storage, you're not going to be able to create it now. That attic may not be storable.
2: Okay, now I'll have to check with my contractor for sure that put the trusses in.
1: Good, that's a good place to start.
2: Yes. Okay. Well, thank you so much.
1: All right, Ruth. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit.
2: So instead of a, a traditional roof truss, where you're dealing with that, say, triangular shape, that's sort of supported throughout that triangular frame, you have an open box within that triangular frame. Truss,
1: right? It has it Doesn't have as many cross members. It's sort of like a framed, sort of like a big framed opening. And then the bottom cord, instead of being a two by four, might be up higher. It might be eight inches off the off, say, the drywall so that you could have room for enough insulation and still have some flooring flooring space there. But It's a specifically designed type of truss structure. And you can't just put a floor on a regular truss because you're going to crush the insulation that's there. Plus, you're not supposed to be loading those up.
2: Now we've got David in Iowa who is working on a basement floor. Tell us what's going on.
3: Hi, Leslie. Yeah. Hi, David. The sewer backed up into our basement. Oh, oh. goodness. It's carpet down that. there. So I pulled out the carpet and the pad, and I was... And
2: got eating. it far, far away from your house. <laughs> 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 yeah. Wearing those plugs and ran from it.
3: And I was thinking of options and what to put down instead, because I was reluctant to do carpet again. So my wife wanted to do ceramic tile, but it's about 540 square feet. That would be kind of pricey. So mm-hmm. I was just going to paint it with epoxy paint, and I was wondering if that would be a good idea. And there are a lot of bowls and waves in the mm-hmm. concrete.
1: Okay. That's well, that's all carpet. fixable. Yeah. Yeah. I I think you've got a bunch of options. Uh, epoxy paint, definite possibility. They have a lot of good-looking colors on epoxy paint and a lot of different sort of chip surfaces. Like additives. Yeah, additives that, that kind of give it a nice decor uh, look to it. Um, the other things that you could think about doing would be either laminate flooring or even engineered hardwood floor.
2: Mm-hmm. And of course, these are all things that, you know, run the gamut of the price range. You know, Even with ceramic tile, which is something that your wife likes, you know, you can get something for as low as 2 to $3 a square up to, you know, $100 a square. So you really need to sort of look at your budget, but Tom's right. You can go laminate. You can go engineered hardwood. Those are all things that are made to be in that super moist area that is your basement on that concrete subfloor. And another thing, you know, you're mentioning this epoxy flooring, but you did say I heard that the floor is kind of wavy and a little uneven. There are a ton of products out there. Is it Abitron, Tom, is the website? Mm -hmm. Abitron. They make something called Abocrete or Abocast. I forget which is the one. But it's a compound that you mix up and sort of put over the floor that you already have. And it sort of self-levels and evens out the areas where there are dips and divots. And I mean, it's, it's a process. It takes a couple of days. But if you're going to go with that epoxy floor, you want it to look smooth.
3: Can I just put more concrete?
2: No, it won't no. stick to each no, other. No, no, no,
1: no. It won't stick. No, you need an epoxy patching compound. That's the only thing that's going to he- adhere.
2: Okay. Otherwise, it'll just pop right off. And then you'll have an area that's half epoxy coated and one that's not. So don't even mess with it. Definitely level it off first. And it's not a difficult process. It's just, you know, a bag of powdery material that you've got to mix up. And, you know, it's work. But it does make the floor fantastic. You know, we had a similar situation. We had the basement flood with carpeting, uh, took all the carpeting up. The concrete subfloor was a disaster. And I mean, there were some real areas of unevenness. And that Abacrete, like, saved my basement's life. Like, it it took three days to cure with fans and, like, really a process. But that floor looks fantastic. And then we put a laminate over it, which is, we love it.
1: All right. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT.
2: Ross in Wyoming is working on some wrought iron stairs. What can we help you with?
3: Well, uh, we're, we salvaged it out of a school to use in our house, and uh, it has a lot of old paint on it, and of course, there's a lot of lot of pieces every four inches, and I uh, wondered what something that we could use, the easiest way to, to strip that old paint off and... Uh, since we have it out in the open, maybe we could spray it with something or a pressure washer or something.
2: I think the best plan of attack is probably going to be, I mean, are the layers so thick that if you sort of scraped away and sanded away the areas that, you know, it's flaking away from and then made it smooth, would you have a big difference in the texture of the surface?
3: Yeah, I think it's it's really flaky. I think it has to take it all off, I think.
1: Well, I will say that pressure washers are pretty handy tools for paint strippers when you need to take the paint off of a wrought of uh, iron railing. I've used a pressure washer to strip paint off a radiator, and it worked great. Didn't really? damage you the metal. Really? You got all of it off? Got all of it off, 100%. And
3: so, did you spray it with some
1: solvent or something? Nothing. Just the pressure of the water. It's a little messy, you know, because the water hits it and...
2: And it goes everywhere.
1: It <laughs> goes everywhere. But it was fun at the same time. That's why we like using pressure washers. It's the kind of tool that once you get going, you don't want to put it down.
2: And then I think if you, you know, if like Tom says, if you're able to get a lot of it off, then what you would want to do is sand the areas where you still have some Mm -hmm. residual sort of stickiness of the paint just to sort of smooth that edge so that you're not dealing with, you know, chunk of paint and then new surface, just so you sort of make that transition better.
1: But the most important thing is, Ross, when you get that paint off is to make sure you prime the entire surface again. Don't just paint on top of it. Make sure you prime it, because once it dries real well, you can prime it. Use an oil-based primer. I mean, Rust-Oleum is a really good product. Let it dry, and then you can put any kind of top coat you want after that. But you've got to prime it, because the primer is kind of the adhesive that makes the paint stick. All right. Okay. Thanks. Thanks a lot. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Up next, in the summer, you are not the only thing that sweats. Find out why your toilet tank seems to be doing the very same thing and how you can stop that drip, drip, dripping from riding out your bathroom floor.
0: all the Money fit Radio Show, pick up the telephone, fix up your home suite. The Money Bit is brought to you by the hydra right Drop-In Dual Flush Converter. Proud sponsor of Water Conservation 2011, the hydra right easily converts your toilet into a water and money-saving dual flush toilet. Push the quick flush setting for liquids or the full flush for more. Look for the hydra right at The Home Depot and other fine retailers. Or visit SaveMyToilet.com.
1: Making good homes better? Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
0: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
1: And if you are sick of sweating it out all summer and are totally ready to get your house some cool conditioned air, check out our online guide for which AC system will best suit your need. Just Google Money Pit air conditioning options.
2: Kathy in Missouri is calling in with a patio question. What can we do for you? Uh, yes, I have a big crack in my patio. It's a long crack and I've Put that, um cement or had someone to patch it, and it didn't hold. And then there's a smaller crack going off to the side of it. Yep. And I'm wondering okay. how to pre- uh, repair
1: that. Yeah. Well, we're not surprised that it didn't hold because you cannot repair a concrete patio with cement. Uh, that's not going to work. Even though it seems like the materials should be compatible, they're they're kind of not. And the reason is is because what happens is water gets underneath that, uh, that new cement patch that you made, and it lifts it right out. So what you want to do is get an epoxy patching compound, which is something that you can mix up and trowel on to those cracks, and it's specifically designed to both fill in the voids and also to seal. Epoxy. Epoxy, yeah. That's the best way to repair any kind of a crack uh, in a concrete surface, Kathy. Mm-hmm. It's a permanent fix, Okay.
2: Okay, well thank you very much.
1: You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Thank you very much for calling us at 1888 money pit.
2: Well, summertime is a great time of year for barbecues and pool parties, and it also causes, you know, you and your family and friends to sweat it out a little bit, but it also causes your toilet to do so as well. And if you've ever noticed water dripping off of your toilet tank in the summer, you know what we mean. So
1: why does a
2: toilet sweat? It's getting a workout. And
1: what can we do about it to help answer these questions? We've enlisted the skills of this old house plumbing expert, Richard Trithui. Hi, Richard. Hey, guys. Nice to be back. And it sounds funny, but a sweating toilet can actually cause quite a bit of water damage can it
4: absolutely you know condensation is the problem you know anytime you have too much of a temperature difference you've got cold water on the inside of the tank and then you got warm moist air on the outside of the tank it will actually sweat on the outside of that surface and drip down onto the floor And so we see it anywhere east of the Rockies. We've got this humidity issue. You know, in the West, we don't have a lot of that sort of thing.
1: And we've seen some crazy solutions for this, including like toilet tank insulator kits and things like that. (laughs) Right.
4: And that, you know, I don't want to say they don't work, but they don't always work because, you know, it really depends on that humidity level in the building and just how cold that water is. And so uh, really the best solution we've seen is this anti-sweat valve that uh, is designed to be installed down underneath the toilet. And what it does is it, sends cold water but it also mixes a little bit of hot water not a lot but just enough to raise the temperature of the water in the toilet tank oh interesting to so get it below the, up right to get below the dew point that would cause that condensation to form that's
2: interesting I mean is that something that a homeowner can tackle themselves or because we're dealing with water and the toilet and waste is that something we just shouldn't even mess with
4: well it really depends on your skill set I think it does require soldering it requires you to shut the water off and to do a little bit, bit which of which people
2: forget turning the water off yeah people. it's much better to do People the work forget. with the
4: water shut off, yes, <laughs> but uh, so it tends to be a, pl- a professional solution, and it's really as a last resort. Uh, but we we did one on Astor House, and this guy had lived with this sweating problem. He had just. Everything in his house was perfect, and he just couldn't stand that the water was dripping on the floor, and we finally fixed it, and it was just uh, it was great joy in his house.
1: I bet. Now, does it use a lot of hot water? Does it cost energy? It's not a lot. It does, it does
4: cost some energy because you're right. using some hot water. You're mm, not right. literally. You're not making that hot water, that toilet tank, be filled with hot water. You're only just trying to temper it a little bit just to get it down above that 45 degree or 50 degree temperature.
1: And so I imagine this is a problem that's much more common in a home that does not have central air conditioning.
4: Yep. Yeah, yeah. if you get get drier air, if the air conditioner's on and you've
1: dried the air out, there's a good chance you're not going to have this condition. Now, Richard, is this a problem that's common to older toilets with the really big tanks, or does it also happen with the more modern ones that are more efficient? Well, it's really
4: any conventional toilet tank that has water in it. Uh, and so most of the models can have this issue in a high humidity area. There are some pressure assisted toilets. Now, if you looked inside the toilet tank on a pressure assisted, you wouldn't see the tank fill with water. You'd actually look inside and see this black plastic tank or chamber. Mm -hmm. And in that case, you're not going to have that temperature difference and it won't sweat.
2: Now, I imagine, you know, in some situations you're dealing with a leaky toilet. Maybe you're getting phantom flushing or issues where the toilet is running. Is it important to make sure that that's sort of fixed or maintained before you implement the system to not waste hot water?
4: Absolutely. Just imagine if water came into a toilet tank and even if it was cold, over time it would warm up. Mm-hmm. And so then the sweating problem is gone. But if you keep on adding new 40 and 45-degree water, that sweating problem will be a real issue. So you want to make the repair on two fronts, one to stop wasting in water and the other mm-hmm. is to help stop that condensation.
1: That's terrific. Now, you have a video on how to do just this on thisoldhouse.com. That's you? right. Yeah, and it's really interesting because you can see underneath the terrible damage that this toilet had been doing to this poor guy's ceiling for years. Mm-hmm. And with a very small f- uh, plumbing assembly, like you've just described, it all goes away. That's right. Like very, magic. Very, very, very simple fix. Great idea. Richard Rathui from TV's This Old House. Thanks so much for stopping by the Money Pit. Glad to be here.
2: For more great home improvement advice, you can watch Richard and the entire This Old House team on This Old House and Ask This Old House on your local PBS station.
1: And This Old House is brought to you by Train. Nothing stops a train. Still to come, how to get your kids involved in DIYing and get them started on skills that will help them as future homeowners. That's all coming up next.
0: You live in a body pit. The Money Pit is brought to you by Generac, makers of the number one selling Guardian series home standby generators. Now introducing a full line of consumer and professional power washers. Whether you need to power it, clean it, or protect it, Generac can help. Visit Generac.com to learn more.
1: Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show, where home solutions live. I'm Tom Kreitler.
2: And I'm Leslie Segretti. And the number here is 888-MONEY-PIT give us a call right now for your chance to get in on our great prize giveaway. One lucky caller that we talked to on the air this hour is going to win the Dremel Trio, and it's the first multifunctional tool of its kind. It's a spiral jigsaw, an edge sander, and a detail router all in one. I mean, you could make an entire piece of furniture using this thing. <laughs> the Dremel Trio is available nationwide at all hardware and home improvement centers, including Home Depot, Lowe's, even Amazon.com. It's worth a hundred bucks, but it could be yours for free if you ask your question on air. Again, the number here Pit. 888-MONEYPIT.
1: 888-666-3974. Well, if your kids are anything like mine, it is about that time of the summer when the excitement of vacation has pretty much totally worn off and they are looking for something, anything to do. And that's why it's a good time to take on some DIY projects with your kids. Now, For many years, I timed my DIY projects to be done without my kids for a very good reason because sometimes they would come and try to help when they really wanted to help, but sometimes it wasn't that much of a help. Like the time that my little five-year-old son kicked a full gallon of paint down a set of stairs. That took a long time to clean up. Uh, I can imagine. But there actually are some fun and safe projects that you can... Tackle with your kids. So, here's a, a couple of ideas. You might want to start by building some outdoor furniture, something that they might enjoy, like a sandbox or a tree swing, or maybe even sort of a mini golf course. We used to do those uh, growing up. We'd always create mini golf courses in the backyards of my friend's house. Yeah. And his mom always let us do it until we took out a window once with a wild swing. The golf course operation was shut down promptly after that. But that's a fun thing. <laughs> To do uh, with kids, and you know you don 't have to uh, use anything uh, more aggressive than uh, you know a hammer and some nails to do some of this stuff. You can do very small things like this and uh, teach them those skills early on. I also will let the kids paint occasionally uh, when it's manageable, you know, when it's, when it's something that's uh, easily correctable or something that they just really want to, you know, help with. Or you have extra supplies. About the quality of extra supplies, exactly. <laughs> and uh, the other thing that I do with my kids is I give them a hammer and nails and a couple of chunks of wood and safety glasses and let them mm-hmm. go ahead and try to bang some nails into wood. And that uh, is something that they love to do and they feel like they're really helping with a project There. at least practicing their DIY skills. So, you know, be creative. Think about it. There are lots of ways to get kids involved. And you know what? There's no place in school when this is being taught. So you really have to teach kids yourself. You know, there's no such thing as a shop class in a lot of parts of the country anymore. Um, So you really need to to take that responsibility as parents to teach your kids how to handle tools, how to do simple things around the house so that they're comfortable and confident as they grow up that they can tackle these things on their own as well.
2: You know, it's funny over at the Children's Museum locally to me, um, they have, you know, a tool section where the kids get to hammer nails into wood. And I do this at home with my son, Henry, who's three, because you've always talked about doing this growing up. And I've always been very hands on with my parents when I was a yep. kid. So, you know, Henry sits down at the little table at the museum and this lady comes running over. She's like, I'm sorry, they have to be five. I was like, oh, sorry. At my house, we swing hammers. I apologize. Apparently, five (laughs) is the acceptable (laughs) hammer swinging age, unless you are at the Segretti household. (laughs) Well, if you guys want some more kid-friendly, do-it-yourself ideas, some great projects, check out our very next e-newsletter. You can sign up now at moneypit.com. It's completely free. It goes right to your inbox every Friday morning. It is just full of great information. So sign up today.
1: 888-666-3974.
2: Leslie, who's next? Josh in Pennsylvania is calling about a foundation. What can we do for you?
3: I own a home. It's over 100 years old. I recently bought the home, I'd say within a year. Okay. And it has a stone foundation that takes on some water. Mm-hmm. The whole basement does not flood. It's almost like it's concaved on one side where it leaks in a little bit and runs down to a hole where there's a sump pump. Right. I guess my question is... One, I had it quoted to get it quote unquote repaired. Their definition of repaired was dig up the cement there, put a drain under it. Right. Or two, you know, just get cement and smooth over the whole basement and just clean up the walls with cement pretty much.
1: Yeah. And neither of those solutions will work. Okay. You know, just the other day, we had a call from a writer at the New York Times that had this exact same question for an article that she was working on, and I'll tell you exactly what we told her. You almost never, ever need to install an underground drainage system like that. Mm -mm. Uh, And in in fact, doing so does not stop the walls from getting wet, will not protect the walls from caving in, because the water collecting outside those walls will remain, whether or not you collect it on the inside or not. And especially when you have a solid wall, there's going to be no relief in pressure whatsoever. So the solution is, how do we stop the walls from leaking without tearing up the inside of the house? The question is, how do we stop the walls from leaking without tearing up the inside of the house? And the answer to that is outside drainage, outside drainage, and outside drainage. Look at the gutter system. If you don't have one, get one. Make sure it's clean, free-flowing. The downspouts are extended four to six feet away from the foundation perimeter. And look at the angle of the soil around the house. It's probably flat. It's probably settled over the years. Add clean fill dirt, not topsoil, clean fill dirt, tamp it down, pack it down. Should drop about six inches over four feet. And those two things alone will solve 95% of all wet basement problems.
3: Okay. Wonderful. I appreciate both of your help. Thank you.
1: You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
2: You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at MoneyPit.com. Still ahead, you know, termites, they cause millions of dollars of damage to homes across the country every single year. Now, do you currently fear that termites are right now making a meal out of your house? If chomp, so, chomp, chomp, chomp. <laughs> we are going to tell you the telltale signs of a termite infestation so you will know for sure next. Hey,
0: hey, Pit. This portion of The Money Pit is brought to you by The Iron Shop, the leading manufacturer of spiral stair kits. Visit www.theironshop.com today to find out how you can own a beautiful iron spiral staircase.
1: Making good homes better. Welcome back to The Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
2: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
1: And even though you're sweating bullets, now is actually a very good time to think about your heating system. Why? Because if you need a new one, It's the old rule of supply and demand. There's not a lot of demand right now, and there's plenty of supply. So now, actually, is a very good time if if your heating system is very, very old, if your furnace is is ancient and you're thinking you might need to replace that antique, go ahead and get some prices uh, right now because you're going to get the best deal of the entire upcoming heating season.
2: All right. And while you're online, you can head on over to moneypit.com and you can join our community section and you can learn all about what everybody else is working on. You can post pictures of what you're working on. And if you want to ask Tom and I for some help, you can post your question there. I've got one here from Sandra in Auburn, Mass., who wrote, We have a 1972 ranch-style home. We recently noticed some wood particles that look like sawdust that seem to be coming from one of the breather holes in the strip of wood to which the gutter is attached. We are worried this could be termites. What do you think? uh, I'm laughing.
1: I'm laughing because there is no such thing as a breather hole in the strip of wood to to which your gutter is attached. What What you're witnessing there are holes that were drilled by not termites but carpenter bees.
2: Yeah, they make like a perfect dowel de- like diameter. It's crazy, and
1: they're consistent too. So you could think that actually they were supposed to be there for some reason, um, but no, those are actually carpenter bees that you have there, and you need to treat those, and you need to plug those holes. And if you get tired of treating them, what you can do is take down the gutter and replace the uh, typical one by six pine with a piece of uh, what's called azek a z e k. It's a C- it's an extruded PVC uh, material that looks like pine, but it's actually plastic and the uh, the uh, carpenter bees can't eat that but as far as termites are concerned you know your problems with termites are more likely to be at the ground level and the key thing to look for uh, in a termite inspection is really the the tubes the mud tubes that they build from mm-hmm. the ground on up because they cannot be exposed to sunlight so they build these tunnels that are usually about a quarter to a half inch wide and they'll crawl inside these tunnels and' sometimes you'll see them on the outside of the foundation or coming up the block wall and the other thing is if you have a basement and if the floor joists are exposed, what you can do is take a, a heavy screwdriver. I used to take a real long one, like a 12-inch <laughs> one, and tap the ceiling joists all around the outside edge. And if you get one that's hollow, you'll hear it. You'll also check the sills right above the foundation. That's the way we find termite damage before it gets uh, too terribly bad. Mm -hmm. Good idea to have a yearly termite inspection, by the way, so you catch them before they do too much destruction.
2: Yeah, I can remember when we bought our home, we had our termite inspection, our initial one, and the gentleman came in with a screwdriver, and he was like, yeah, this is my official tool, and just started poking at things, and at one point just went right through a piece of wood. And I was like, oh, should I be upset that you're destroying the house, or yay, we found something?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know. I used to wear the tips off on those big screwdrivers, because it's just a an effective uh, termite Probe, testing for tool. Probe, if you will. Yeah. <laughs>
2: All right. Betty in Florida is looking, looking for a way to get rid of wall paneling and she wants to fill it in to make it look smooth to paint. I say either cover over it with like a quarter inch drywall or just or pull, learn, it down. You know, pull it down if you can or learn to love it and make it work. Because if you try to fill in those grooves on the paneling, Never nothing's going to stick. It's going to yep. fall right out. You're just making more work for yourself.
1: Yeah, it's surprising how many folks think that you can spackle in those grooves. It's just not something that's possible. <laughs> it's not like trying to fill Plus, in a ding. how long in... would that take? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's not like you're going to fill in a ding. And paneling is usually pretty easy to pull down. So start in a corner, try to loosen it up. See what's And unless it. it's glued to the wall, you'll be surprised how quickly it comes off.
2: Mm-hmm. And then you'll have a whole modern look, Betty.
1: This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Thank you so much for spending this hour with us. We hope you've gotten a few ideas to help turn your Money Pit to palace. Remember, you can contact us any time of the day or night by simply picking up the phone and dialing up 1-888-MONEY-PIT. If we are not in the studio, we will call you back the next time we are. And you can also post your questions to the community section at moneypit.com. Dot com. I'm Tom Kreitler.
2: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
1: Remember, you can do it yourself,
2: but you don't have to do it alone.
0: You live in a body pit.
4: Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived.